Business Desk Today is the podcast for New Zealand business leaders. Your daily business briefing from the team at businessdesk.co.nz. Kia ora and welcome to Business Desk Today, the daily roundup of our top stories for professionals on the go. It's Friday, July 7th, and I'm Ben Moore. Today we cover a possible conflict of interest on TVNZ's board, the financial needs of the new water entities, and the partisan blame game over the failed bipartisan housing accord. Plus, an excerpt from my interview with science superstar Neil deGrasse Tyson, and then a look at the markets. Media journalist Dan Dunkley reports that Alastair Crothers being named chair of the TVNZ board has elicited conflict of interest concerns, as he is also the chair of the New Zealand Film Commission. His seat on both boards has sparked fears he could become conflicted or privy to commercially sensitive information at the Film Commission, particularly in relation to the screen production rebate. Critics argue that Carruthers could, in theory, have access to commercially sensitive information on TVNZ's rivals, including how much rival broadcasters put up for various projects. Carruthers' new role at TVNZ appears to clash with the Film Commission's own conflict of interest policy, which was introduced recently and overseen by Carruthers after the Commission's conflict of interest scandal last year. Carruthers told Business Desk that he has instructed the Film Commission to review potential conflicts following his appointment at TVNZ. The Broadcasting Minister's office is satisfied that Carruthers will be able to carry out his duties without being conflicted, as safeguards were implemented to prevent conflicts of interest at the Film Commission. Carruthers will recuse himself from commission decisions that touch television productions and will not receive any information on rebates related to television shows. In other news, managing editor Patrick Smelly reports that Tim Brown, a former Infratil senior executive, has said that the central government should expect to support the country's new 10 water service entities with between $20 and $30 billion of debt in their first couple of years while they become established. He was appearing before the Government and Administration Select Committee in his role as Wellington City Councillor for hearings on the Water Entities Amendment Bill. Both the availability and the cost of debt were a critical requirement for success, he told the Select Committee. The cost of servicing that debt would be passed on to water users and it needed to be available at as low cost as possible. Water services going to the market or banks for funding in the first couple of years would be suboptimal, he said. He asserted that the government should be willing to provide 20 to 30 billion in the first two or three years, with long term borrowing needs likely to be 100 billion or more. Smelly goes on in the story to outline why Waikato District Council wants its area to be included in the Auckland and Northland entity for water. Check our website for the full story. Local government reporter Ollie Lewis reports that National and Labour are playing the blame game after National pulled out of the bipartisan housing accord. The opposition and the government are blaming each other for failing to reach a new compromise. Announced in October 2021, the medium-density residential standards would allow for three homes up to three storeys high on most residential sites in major cities without resource consent. In late May, National released its new housing policy, in which, instead of making those standards mandatory, it said that councils would be able to opt out of the rules, provided they could show they had zoned for 30 years of housing demand by enabling new greenfields development, infill, or a combination. In a bid to salvage the bipartisan accord, Housing Minister Megan Woods met with National's Infrastructure and Housing Spokesman Chris Bishop last month. 
In the story, Lewis outlines the tension between the two parties, with Woods calling the move to pull out of the accord irresponsible, as many construction projects under the new standards had begun, and Bishop saying the government didn't seem willing to look at all aspects of National's policy. Bishop also said there were councils and developers that supported National's policy, a policy which Labour was welcome to adopt. After the break, an excerpt from my interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson, which features on the Business of Tech podcast. I ask him why social media is so full of falsehoods and misinformation. Plus, a look at the markets. Neil deGrasse Tyson was recently in New Zealand touring a show based on his new book, which asks what it means to have a more cosmic perspective on civilization. Here's a short clip on his views of where social media went wrong when it comes to trying to disseminate information. Why is social media a cesspool of disinformation and what do we do about it? It should have been a place where people ascend from whatever was their state of understanding and awareness of the world to reach for new places. And it hasn't become that. And I'm, I'm very disappointed. I don't want to blame social media as a medium. I'd rather blame humans, right? Why is it that you don't know what is objectively true and you think you know what's true and then you post that and you have influence on others who don't know better? Who, where did that begin? How did that happen? And so it leaves me wondering, do we need to revamp the school curriculum to better equip students to navigate this landscape of objective truths contaminated by uh, false truths or exaggerated truths or disinformation, right? There's something that's just wrong, but you can also know that it's neither wrong nor right, but try to steer public sentiment in one direction or another. So you create disinformation to stimulate that. And that's sad. That's sad. It means we're not really grown up enough yet. We're still in our adolescence relative to social media. I mean, think about it. When the printing press was invented, movable type, it how it was centuries, really? Something like that before anyone figured out maybe you can print news on a sheet of paper and post it in the center of town so people can know what's going on in the world? The beginnings of a newspaper were there, but it was not right at the beginning when we had the printing press. There might be some early exceptions to that, but before it became a routine thing, centuries. So maybe we need another century or so to to become better users of the internet and better shepherds of its content. You can find the full interview in the latest episode of The Business of Tech, available on our website or wherever you get the best podcasts. And now, the markets. Pacific Edge made a rapid recovery, rising more than 110% after receiving a reprieve on funding for its CX bladder tests in the United States, while an uncertain share market had its first fall in eight trading days. The S&P NZX50 index wavered in the afternoon and closed at 11,959.33, down 43.13 points, or 0.36%, after reaching an intraday high of 12,055.2. There were 53 gainers and 79 decliners on the local market, with 42.67 million shares, with 117.9 million changing hands. For the full details on all the stories mentioned in today's podcast, head to businessdesk.co.nz. 
And while you're there, why not try and beat the Quizmas Desk Quizmaster and get yourself some free pizza? Here's the first question. According to the Department of Conservation, which New Zealand bird is most at risk of extinction? Is it the yellow-eyed penguin, the great spotted kiwi, or the wandering albatross? That's all for today. Have a great Friday and an even better weekend. Thank you.